And so we'll be in John chapter 1 tonight, John chapter number 1. And I thank you again for being here with us to close out uh, the preaching portion of this week. And looking forward to a good night tomorrow, the trunk or treat, and giving away some candy and eating a little candy as well. And then the date night on Thursday night, so come be a part of that as well. And I thank you for allowing us to come be a part of your first revival meeting. And I'll say on behalf of not just myself, my wife, and on the Hanses as well, uh, we say thank you for your general uh, sacrificial giving and trust that you know that your giving uh, just helps us to keep on going to other churches and doing exactly what we've done here this week, preaching the Word of God and preaching uh, Jesus Christ. So I want to say thank you for that. And so I trust that tonight will be an encouragement to you and just try to preach on the basics this week from just uh, Psalm chapter 1 and Luke chapter 11 last night. And I want to give you one more final encouragement, one more charge as we uh, close it out tonight. John chapter 1, verse number 35. The Bible says, again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. Don't you love that title for Jesus? It speaks of substitute. It speaks of a sacrifice. It speaks of Calvary. And all throughout the Old Testament, lamb after lamb was sacrificed, but those lambs in the Old Testament just temporarily covered sin. But when Jesus came, he says, Behold the Lamb of God, which cometh to take away the sin of the world. The lambs in the Old Testament, that was a temporary word, but Jesus Christ in the cross of Calvary, that was a permanent word. Behold the Lamb of God. It goes on to say in verse 37, And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus returned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They say unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. Verse 42, please. And he brought him to Jesus. Boy, I like that, don't you? And he brought him uh, to Jesus. I want to preach on that thought here tonight. Father, I pray that you'd be with us tonight. And Lord, no doubt these folks have worked hard all night, uh, all, all day today, and then they've come tonight faithfully. They're in their place. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to set aside all the distractions and all the burdens that we carried in with us tonight and help us to receive exactly what you would have us to receive tonight. Lord, I pray that you would stir us up. You would inspire us tonight. You would instruct us. And Lord, give us a greater burden for those around us. Lord, the, if we had truly have revival this week, it ought to affect the great commandment and the great commission. Lord, we ought to love you more and we ought to love others more. And I pray that you would uh, help us with that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible never commands lost people to go to church. The Bible commands the church to go to lost people. And if there was ever an example of that found in Scripture, it's found here in the life of this little-known disciple by the name of Andrew. The Bible doesn't give us a whole lot of details about Andrew, but every time that he appears on the stage of Scripture, he's always, always, always bringing somebody to Jesus. The first time he appears is here in John chapter 1, and he, after he meets Jesus, he goes out and finds his own brother, Simon Peter, and brings him back to the Lord. The second time you see him is the story of the feeding of the 5,000, the story of the Lord, the lad, and the lunch, and that story's found in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's kind of rare, uh, but only 
one of the Gospels tells us which disciple it was that went out and found the lad with the lunch and brought him back to the Lord. Would anybody like to go out on a limb tonight and take just a wild guess at which disciple that was? Once again, it was Andrew bringing somebody to Jesus. The last time you find him in a prominent place, he was pointing a group of Greeks to Jesus. Listen, that was his legacy. Andrew was a man in Scripture who was known for bringing people to Jesus. It's been said about churches that a church will either evangelize or they'll fossilize. I know of a pastor in this state right here in Texas. He is in his 60s. He's the youngest member of that church. I know of other churches with just a few more funerals. They'll be forced to close the doors. A church will either evangelize or they will fossilize. I believe that bringing people to Jesus is the great need of the hour. Would you agree with that? I said the Bible does not give us very many details about Andrew, but it gives us enough to kind of paint a picture of what kind of man he was. And I just want to spend a few moments just painting a picture of what kind of man he was. I think this will be a help to us. Number one, the Bible speaks of his family. He was the brother of Peter. Uh, his father was Jonah, or Jonas. Their original home was in Bethesda. But after Christ's earthly ministry, he's found living with Peter's family in Capernaum. Nothing is ever said about Andrew being married in the Bible. Now, we know that Peter was married because the Bible Bible says that Peter had a mother-in-law, and nobody in their right mind would have a mother-in-law if they were not married. Amen? And uh, just kidding. Uh, but nevertheless, we know that uh, Peter was married, but nothing is ever said about Andrew. But the fact that he was living with his family uh, throughout Scripture would suggest that he loved his family. The Bible also speaks of his fishing. Andrew was a fisherman by trade, uh, living in Bethesda, Capernaum, both on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee, would have made it convenient for that type of business. Uh, he was not a solo fisherman. It wasn't just a hobby. That was his job. He was in a fishing business with, with some other men. So you just imagine the fishing in the Bible took place at nighttime. So every night the alarm clock would go off. He'd put his fishing gear on. He'd grab his nets. And all night long he'd, uh, he would stand on that boat and cast them nets over the side of that boat and draw the fish into the boat. Sounds like a blue-collar man to me. The Bible speaks of his, follow, uh, of his family, his fishing. It also speaks of his following. Andrew became a follower of John the Baptist, but after John introduced him to Jesus, he became a follower of Jesus. So the fact that he was following John the Baptist early on in life tells us that early on he had some spiritual interest and he had a heart for the things of God. So if I had to stand back tonight and put a, a kind of a, a nutshell summary of what kind of a man Andrew was, I would say it this way. Here's a blue-collar man who loved his family and he had a heart for God. Do you think that's a pretty good summary of Andrew tonight? He's a blue-collar man who loved his family, and he had a heart for God. You know what that sounds like to me? It sounds about like 95% of the people that I preached to last week. It sounds like about 95% of the people I'm preaching to this week. It sounds like 95% of the people that I'll preach somewhere next week. Here's what I'm saying. He sounds like he's just an average, ordinary man like you and like me, but watching now, who did something extraordinary for God. But I don't encourage your heart tonight. Can I say this? God uses ordinary people in extraordinary ways. Now, you may be here tonight. I said, that ought to encourage you tonight. God uses average people. God uses common people. God uses normal, ordinary people like you and like me. Now, you may be here tonight, and at one time, you were the, uh, maybe the, uh, the most voted most likely to succeed in high school. You went off to college. You were the uh, president of your graduating class. Uh, maybe you're the CEO of your company. At one time, you were voted Miss Texas right here in the state. Let me say this to that category of people that are represented here tonight. God can use you too. He's just going to have to work a little bit harder. 
You say, why is that? Because all throughout Scripture, over and over again, God specializes in using ordinary, common, regular people like you and like me. Well, you start to study Andrew, and you'll find the most, the greatest thing that he did with his life was bringing his own brother, Simon Peter, to the Lord. In fact, A.T. Pearson said the great distinction of Andrew was precisely this, that he brought Simon to Christ. You ought to do a study of the comparison, the contrast between Andrew and Peter throughout Scripture. Uh, you'll find that Andrew is always in the shadows, and Peter is always in the spotlight. In fact, 16 times throughout the Bible, you'll find Andrew's name written out this way. Andrew... Uh, you'll find it 16 times, but 13 times it's written out like this. Andrew, comma, Simon Peter's brother. Andrew, comma, Simon Peter's brother. He's always in the shadows, but Peter is always in the spotlight. One man put it this way. He said, in Scripture, Peter is everything, but Andrew is nothing. But would there have been a Peter but for an Andrew? In other words, Andrew never walked on the water. Andrew never preached on the day of Pentecost and saw 3,000 born again. Andrew never became one of the leaders of the early church, one of the great apostles of Scripture. Andrew never went on to write any books of the Bible. But listen to me tonight. Andrew did bring a man to Jesus who did go on to walk on the water, who did become uh, a preacher on the day of Pentecost and see 3,000 born again, who was one of the great uh, leaders of the church and apostles in Scripture, who did go on to write books of the Bible. Here's what I'm saying tonight. The greatest accomplishment of your life may not be something you do for Jesus. It may be somebody you bring to Jesus. In other words, we can't all be a Peter, but we can all be an Andrew. How many knows the name D.O. Moody? I think I quoted him once already this week. Your pastor's quoted him before. Just about every hand in here was raised. If you know the name Edward Kimball, would you raise your hand tonight, please? Two people, maybe. You said, I know shook two continents for the cause of Christ. Thousands upon thousands came to Christ under his ministry. I know him, but who's Edward Kimball? Edward Kimball is just a faithful, humble, humble Sunday school teacher who one day went to a, a shoe store in downtown Boston. It's a, it's a staple store today. I've been there. And he went to that shoe store that day. And behind the counter, there was a young man he began to witness to. And that young man was D.L. Moody. And because of that encounter and that witnessing opportunity, D.L. Moody came to know Christ. Look, we can't all be a D.L. Moody, but we can all be an Edward Kimball, and we can all be an Andrew. I'll never forget teaching a Sunday school class. It was a teen Sunday school class on a Sunday morning in a church. And, uh, and I won't say the state. Uh, but I was, I was there, and, and uh, usually if there was a distraction somewhere in the, in the service or a classroom, I'll just look to the other side and let the distraction finish out, and then I'll, whatever. But this particular day, I just, they shouldn't go out the corner of my eye. I could tell she had her, this young lady, teenage girl, sitting on the front row of the Sunday school class, had her foot contorted up towards her face. Finally, I couldn't look no longer. I had to turn and see what was going on. And listen, if I'm lying, I'm done. My wife is here. Uh, she'll be glad to attest to this. She was there as well. This young lady sat on the front row of that teen Sunday school class and was chewing her toenails. Now, that takes the cake, brother. I've seen a lot of things, but that's at the top of my list. But can I say this? And I, I could call that girl's name tonight. this tonight. I have never, I have never seen another teenager bring more teenagers to church than that young lady. I'm talking about Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night teen group. That girl had visitors with her every time the doors were opened. 
I wonder if you're here tonight and you say, Brother Taylor, if God can use a nobody, ordinary man like Andrew in the Bible, and if God can use a humble Sunday school teacher like Edward Kimball, and if God can use some girl who chews her own toenails, then I think God can use my life tonight as well. He can. God can use you, and God could use me. You say, preacher, I probably never will be a great evangelist like D.L. Moody and win thousands upon thousands of Christ. Brother Taylor, I'll never, probably never be a pastor who, who affects, uh, influences multitudes in a city. I may never be a missionary who goes to a foreign field one day and, and wins scores of people to Jesus Christ. I, I highly doubt that'll be me. But Brother Taylor, I believe that I can bring at least one person to Jesus. I think God can use me to bring at least one. And maybe the one that I bring to him Maybe they'll be the great evangelist. Maybe they'll be the great pastor. Maybe they'll be the great missionary one day. You say, preacher, how could I be that? How, how could I be an How can God use my life to bring other people to him? Number one, if you're going to be an Andrew tonight, if you're going to be an Andrew tonight, number one, you must meet the requirement. You must meet the prerequisite. The prerequisite. You say, what caused Andrew to seek out Peter that day? The answer is, Andrew had met the Lord himself, and that inspired Andrew to seek out Peter and to bring him to Christ. Here's the point. The only prerequisite, the only requirement for telling other people about Jesus is that you know Jesus for yourself. In fact, D. Young put it this way. He said to get people as far as Peter, we must first of all have got as far as Andrew ourselves. I'm all for soul winning classes. I'm all for reading books on how to be a better witness. I'm all for listening to CDs that'll teach you how to be a better uh, witness for people. But listen to me, no amount of classes you take or books you read or CDs that you listen to will ever make up for a like of personally knowing Christ for yourself. That is where it begins. We first got to our church about four years ago. My pastor said, would you please teach a, a six-week soul winning class on Wednesday night? And so we put out a sign-up sheet, and we had about 30 of our people sign up, and that was encouraging. And so for six weeks, we just went step-by-step step on how to take the Bible and lead someone else into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. At the end of that six weeks, I said, if anybody would like to go out on a Saturday morning and just hit maybe a, just a street of houses and try to knock on the door and just kind of cold turkey witness to somebody and see if we can get some fruit, and uh, I said, I'll be glad to take it. Well, one man in our church, his name's Jesse, and Jesse was raised in our town. At one time, he was a boxer, and then uh, drugs got a hold of his life, and, and uh, then he became a brawler and developed a reputation in our town, uh, but one day, he got saved, and all that changed, amen, and so Jesse said, I'd like to go out. I said, okay, let's go out on a Saturday morning, and so we met there, went over to, uh, to a street of duplexes, Now I said, now, Brother Jesse, you sat through the six-week class that I taught. I'm going to do the first door. You watch and just observe and you're going to do the second door. And so I went and I knocked on the door. I began to witness. Didn't get very far. And it's okay, Brother Jesse. This is your, do, uh, your door. Uh, this is your turn. You do exactly what I did. And so he knocks on the door. The people answer. Jesse starts talking. He doesn't do one thing that I taught him to do in that six-week class. Listen, you can't lead people to the Lord if you don't stick to the scripts. Just kidding. Uh, but nonetheless, he, uh, but Jesse began to go door to door and tell people how sin had destroyed his life. But one day he met Jesus and everything changed. Can I tell you something? Jesse was qualified to tell people about Jesus. Not because he had sat through some little six-week class that I taught on Wednesday night. Jesse was qualified to tell people because Jesse knew Jesus for himself. In other words, how in the world are you going to 
to tell people how to go to heaven if you don't know that you're going to heaven yourself? How are you going to tell people how to be saved if you don't know that you're saved yourself? That's where it begins tonight. So let me ask you as your friend tonight, have you met the requirement? Have you met the prerequisite? Do you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ yourself? He said, Brother Taylor, I'm not sure that I'm going to heaven. That tonight before you leave, you can know that you're going to heaven. The Bible says these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The Bible says, but God committed his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was laid upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's that simple. That's the gospel. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. Every person with the sound of my voice tonight, 100 years from now, you're either going to be in heaven or you're going to be in a hot burning hell. And it's all going to be dependent upon what you did with Jesus. If you're here tonight without Jesus Christ, then when the invitation is given, I beg you, I plead with you, I implore you tonight, would you please, when the invitation begins, come to Jesus. He'll save you tonight. Number one, we see there's a prerequisite. If you're going to be an Andrew, if you're going to bring people to Jesus, you've got to meet the prerequisite. Number two, if you're going to bring people to Jesus, you've also got to make it a priority. You've also got to make it a priority. Notice verse number 42, uh, 41. I'm sorry, verse 41. And it all says, he first, he first, he first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, we have found the Messiah. Now that word first there does not mean that just that Peter was the first one that he went out and brought to Jesus. That's what happened. That's what it says. That's what it means. But that word first there speaks of rank. It speaks of importance. And here's what it means. It means the very first thing that Andrew did was go out and find Peter and to bring him back to the Lord. I'm not trying to be over simplistic this, this evening, but whatever was primary at that moment became secondary. Whatever was important to him, it was laid aside. And the most important thing that he could do in that moment, in which he did, was to go out and find his own brother and to bring him back to the Lord. And I believe, not trying to be oversimplistic, but I believe on that day, the reason that Peter was brought to Jesus was because it was important to Andrew. Friend, it's going to be awfully hard to bring people to Jesus if, if, if it's not important to you. Well, we all got priorities, don't we? Everybody here has a priority list in your life. And on that, on that list, it's, it's, it's work, it's church, it's, it's your family, it's school. Well, some of you need to make that more of a priority, amen. But nonetheless, we all have priorities. Let me just ask you that today as your friend. Where at on your list of priorities does bringing people to Jesus rank? I think it's a fair question. There might be one or two here tonight who says, Brother Taylor, every morning my, my alarm clock goes off and I swing my legs out of the bed and my feet hit the floor. I pray God put somebody in my path today that I can tell about you. Praise the Lord for you. Hey, may your tribe increase. There's probably a whole lot more of us here tonight who would say, well, it ain't at the top, but it's certainly at the bottom. I mean, I carry gospel tracts with me in the door and my glove box and my purse, and whenever God kind of prompts me, I try to work up enough courage to hand one out or, or strike up that conversation. I mean, it's not at the top, but it ain't at the bottom either. 
But I'm afraid for the far majority of us here tonight, bringing people to Jesus does not rank at the top of our priority list. It doesn't even rank in the middle of our priority list. Unfortunately for too many of us, it sits at the bottom of our priority list. Could it be the reason you and I don't bring people to Jesus like we ought to? Be because it's simply just not important to us. Let me just ask you a question. Some of you have been here since the very beginning. 18 months now, a year and a half. Who's in this church because of you? And I mean, I'm not even talking about you, you, you've been a part of this church for a long. I'm talking about some of you have been saved for many, many, many years, and you just started yoking up here recently. I'm talking about you're further along than some of these people. Come on now. Who's in this church because of you? You've taken the classes. You've read the books. You've listened to the CDs. Come on now. You've met the prerequisite. Well, who's in this church because of you? Well, some of us need revival this week. And some of us need to get back to that place when, like an Andrew, well, we couldn't help but tell somebody. Isn't it interesting? The very first thing that he did, like he couldn't even help it. It was like natural impulse. Once he met Jesus, his, his natural reaction was to go out and tell other people about Jesus Christ. You may be the most backslidden person in this church tonight. But deep down, if you're truly saved, I believe in your heart tonight, deep down the recesses of your heart, there will be at least a desire and you will rejoice. Maybe not outwardly, but in your heart, you will rejoice when other people come to know Christ. Well, if you don't have a desire to see other people saved, that's concerning tonight. Well, if we're going to bring people to Jesus, we've got to make it a priority. Boy, maybe some of you, when you first got saved, you were here, and boy, man, you, you were telling your friends and your family members, but boy, as months goes on and days go on, boy, we all, hey, listen, the fire goes out in all of us from time to time. That's why we have what we call a revival, so we can come around and get reminded of that and get stoked back up again. And maybe tonight, you need to come and say, Lord, uh, all these other things in the world and life have stacked up, and all these other things have become more important. I need to make the most important thing of a priority once again, if, it's, if you've got to be used to bring people to Christ, you've got to make it a priority. Well, Genesis last scene number three tonight, not only must you uh, meet the prerequisite, not only must you make it a priority, but lastly, you must, uh, you, you must it, it requires persistence. You've got to maintain persistence. Now, notice the Bible says in verse number 42, and he brought him to Jesus, and he brought him to Jesus. When we begin to unpack that word brought, we kind of get an idea of how this thing went down. The word brought comes from a Greek word which means to drive, to lead by laying hold of, to lead by accompanying. A.T. Robertson said the use of the word here could indicate that Andrew had to overcome some resistance on Simon's part. If we know anything about Peter in the Bible, we know that he was pretty hard-headed and he was pretty stubborn. Would you agree with that? And so when Andrew got there that day and said, Peter, we found the Messiah. This is the one that was prophesied about. This is the one that was promised. This is him. Peter probably didn't fall down to his knees and say, what must I do to be saved? Probably didn't go down like that. He probably said, eh, no thanks, not interested. I have my own church. I'm sad. I'm good. Come on now. And Peter resisted. But excuse me, although he resisted, Andrew persisted, and the Bible says that eventually he brought him to Jesus. 
Can I say this? I'll say, I said on Sunday, I'll say it again. Not every person you witness to is going to be saved the first time you witness to them. Most people in this room were not saved the first time uh, that you, uh, you, you came to church. Some of you had to come multiple nights in a row. You had to come multiple times in a row before it finally sunk in and the light bulb turned off. Not everybody's going to be saved the first time that you witness to them. But if we're going to bring people to Jesus, we're going to have to be persistent with our witness. We have late, there's a couple in our church, they're, they're uh, I don't know, middle-aged, I mean, they're, their name is Jeff and Tammy, and boy, they've been a part of our church about two, three years now, and they are a sharp couple, they are a sh- serving, pastor, whatever you need type of couple, they've just been an ab- nothing but an absolute blessing in our church. Well, we have been gone for a while on the road, we finally came back, it was a Sunday morning, and that morning, pastor preached the gospel, he gave the invitation, and Jeff and Tammy's daughter-in-law, this is a woman in her 20s, she came and walked down the aisle, and she came and got saved that day, and boy, pastor's mother took her back to the office here, and it's sat down in the office and took the Bible and showed her how to be saved. Well, Jeff and Tammy were sitting up here on the front row, at, or Jeff was, and I came over and I said, Brother Jeff, is that your, your, that your uh, daughter-in-law? He says, yes. I said, is this the first time she's come? And he said, no, she, she's actually come several times before. Does her pastor preach? Well, I said, well, praise the Lord, it finally took. And he said this. He said, well, I, I think the key was, the key, he said, Tammy, that's his wife, Tammy has just stayed after her. Tammy's been texting her Bible verses. Tammy's been taking her out for coffee and asking her questions and answering her questions. Tammy's been praying for her. Tammy's been loving on her. Tammy just stayed after her. If you're going to bring people to Jesus, I'm not talking about shoving something down somebody's throat. I'm not talking about being belligerent. I'm talking about being, being ugly and obnoxious. I'm not talking about all that. But I'm talking about persistently praying persistently sharing Christ, persistently showing Christ, and through your testimony and your words and your witness and your love and your prayer, God can use you to bring somebody to Jesus. His name was John Broadus. He was the president of Southern Seminary. He was from a small town. In that town, there was a young man by the name of Sandy Jones, and Sandy Jones was a mentally handicapped young man. But John Broadus led Sandy Jones to Jesus. Every time John Broadus would go back to visit his hometown, he would always run into Sandy Jones, and Sandy Jones would always say the same thing when he saw John Broadus. He would say, Howdy, John. Thank you, John. I'll never forget you, John. In telling that story, John Broadus goes on to say, he said, when I get to heaven, the voice that I most long to hear is that of my Savior saying, Welcome home, John. But he said, The second voice that I most long to hear Is that a Sandy Jones saying, Howdy, John. Thank you, John. I'll never forget you, John. Wouldn't it be wonderful to know that you play just a small part in bringing somebody to Jesus? I want you to know that you can be an Andrew. And through the one person you may bring to Jesus, you may have an impact that you will never know on the cause of Christ. Father, thank you. Lord, thank you for the Andrew in our lives. Lord, even if it was the Holy Spirit, there was somebody that did not give up on us. And they went and found us. And they stayed after us until eventually they brought us to you. Church tonight, there's many Peters out there that are just waiting on an Andrew. If you're here tonight and say, preacher, in fact, let's get real specific here. 
Let's not allow this, this service to go one in, one in, out the other. There's just a few days left here in 2018. Here we are, tomorrow's October 31st. It's about to be November. With two months left in 2018, I wonder if there'd be somebody here today who would say, Preacher, would you pray for me? That God can use me to bring at least one person to Jesus before the end of 2018. If that's you tonight, you say, I believe that God be honored by that. Would you pray for me, preacher? If that's you, would you lift your hand tonight? That's me, preacher. That's me. Praise the Lord for you. I wonder if you're here tonight and say, preacher, if I were to die, I know that, that I'm equipped. I may not be fully trained and all this and that, but I know that I can at least tell somebody what Jesus did for me because I've met the prerequisite. I know that I'm going to heaven. I know that I'm saved. If that's you, would you please raise your hands tonight? I know that I'm saved, no doubt about it. If you're here tonight and say, Preacher, I couldn't raise my hand to that question because I don't know. Preacher, I want to go to heaven, but I don't know that I am going to heaven. Would you pray for me tonight, Preacher? If that's you tonight, would you simply lift up your hand high enough that I can see it, put it right back down. Preacher, pray for me. I don't know that I'm going to heaven. Would you please raise your hand tonight, anyone like that? Preacher, pray for me. While that preacher blesses time of invitation tonight, Lord, many hands raise, indicating that they, we, we have a desire to be an Andrew. Lord, bless this time of invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet tonight. And if God spoke to your heart tonight, I want to invite you to come and say, Lord, would you use me? Some of you right now, the very thought of witnessing to somebody and sharing your faith with somebody, that scares you to death. And let me say this tonight, that's okay. You say, preacher, the thought of somebody asking me a question that I don't know the answer to, that paralyzes me with fear. Can I say the first step to being a witness is simply this, surrender. Just say, Lord, I'm willing. Lord, I'm scared. Lord, I don't have, the, I have all the answers. Lord, I'm brand new to this, but Lord, I'm willing. 2.3 million people right here in Houston, right here in the center. And many are just waiting for somebody who would find them and bring them to Jesus. Would you be a Peter and Andrew?